and welcome to Post Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I'm Slade Lane. How you doing today, Slade? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I thought we were having technical issues, but it's just my building being loud, so that's good. No problems there then, I suppose. Um, Otherwise, pretty good. It's freezing here. It's terrible. That's about it. Okay, good deal. Uh, So the world where you live is absolutely freezing. Yep. Yep, that's fun. Horrible. Yeah. Not not Uh, above zero degrees. I think it's going to be like negative 15 on Monday. Cool. (laughs) Maybe a bit more. You know, I miss... I always miss living in a place that has winter, but I don't know if I'd be ready to go right back to that. Yeah, uh, you know, I I get it. Wine, some winter, some snow. Um, I'm I'm done with it though. I'm pretty yeah. well done with it at this point. Three snow days was nice, but now I'm just like I'm getting so tired of shoveling a path <laughs> to my car. Um, <laughs> every few days. Yeah, it's been pretty rough here. It it rained a little bit yesterday. Mm, yeah. And uh, it was like only 60 degrees. Yeah. Here in Southern California. So hot, so hot rain. Yeah, or, hot or rain. really cold, I think. I mean, it was, you know, if nothing else, it was definitely wet. Ball, a balmy 60 degree rain. It was. A... <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was Good that? Dude. Oh lukewarm oh Uh, that would actually i don't know i got nothing to say on that anyway (laughs) we should probably keep moving on uh today everybody (laughs) do we have any production notes today we don't have production notes today because uh the the thing i'm going to talk about it i'm going to be bringing it up uh during our discussion so okay i'll I'll note like this will be what i would have talked about in production notes but it's all right it's a huge part of what i'm going to talk about no official production notes. But come back late. next time. <laughs> Is that what you've been doing? I haven't listened. Uh, Be awesome if no, you record a whole no. guitar thing. I mean, I tried to do some theme music the first time, which I'm just like, let's just throw in more of the usual sound bites that I use for every other bit of music. Oh, there you and go. then I think the one we did for Soul, I just let it play so i don't know there you go anyway today (laughs) we've got a movie to get into so uh let's skip this poor poor attempt for small talk and i mean poor i've offended slate i'm so sorry i was enjoying it but whatever it's fine (laughs) i you know i I was a part of the conversation you were a part of the conversation you know i always but it's fine i've got a mixed feeling on certain podcasts you know some podcasts get right to business and sometimes that's real good and then some people are Mark Marin, and they're like, I'm going to talk at you for like 15 minutes about anything, and then maybe I'll get around to talking about something. And Pete Holmes does the same thing. It's like, all right, skip ahead to minute 23 to start the actual content. I never know where I want to land on that. That is fair, and that's all I'll say, because I have so many thoughts, and it'll take it down the wrong direction, I think, for I'm both of us. I'm sure you for, would. For both of us. So That'll be like our random we can bonus talk episode after. one time. We can talk after. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, we're skipping all this. Let's get to the good stuff. <laughs> This week, we are talking about the film One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami uh, takes place in 1964. Uh, Though it features real people as the characters, uh, it is a fictional account of a night spent with Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. The film opens with really all four of these characters having a very... Um, <laughs> frustrating uh, or tragic reality um, check where life just doesn't go great for them, even though they are all reaching moments that should be great moments. Jim Brown is recognized as like an NFL great. Sam Cook is playing the Copacabana. Muhammad Ali looks like he's about to, um, you know, just dominate this guy in a boxing ring in England. Um, but All of those scenes end with someone getting punched or someone being reminded that because of their race, they're not allowed to move forward in this society. And so 
Where this night picks up is Muhammad Ali, which at this point is simply known as Cassius Clay because he is not uh, fully converted to Islam at this point, uh, is going up against the biggest fight of his life for the heavyweight title. Um, He wins his match, and then Cassius, Malcolm, Sam, and Jim all return to Malcolm's hotel room to what they think will be a party, but then Malcolm X instead kind of confronts all of them to have a conversation about how much they could do in the struggle for civil rights and equality and black power. And the entire rest of the film is kind of a discussion on how that can play out in the 1960s, which of course becomes a conversation on how could that play out today. What should you be able to do with your power? Who gets to decide how you use your power? All seem to be questions that this film directed by Regina King are interested in taking a look at. That's my summary. That was real good. Thank you. As I was watching, I'm like, I don't know. I I wonder how he's going to (laughs) summarize this movie. (laughs) Um, It's important to point out that this was a play before it was a movie because I think that makes it easier to summarize because it all pretty much all of it takes place in one room. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. the vast majority Mm -hmm. of this films was like so they talk a lot yeah the end (laughs) (laughs) yes yes Slade give us some some first thoughts here um (laughs) well I was excited when you said this would be the movie just because I had seen uh Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke uh somewhere on I think it was Instagram I'm ooh, that looks good and then you said the movie I'm like oh it's that movie yes um so I'm very excited uh I'll start off with a little bit. You mentioned uh, Regina King uh, directs this, but I'm very interested, and this is where production notes would have gone, but it's so more, much more focused on this movie specifically, which is Kemp Powers, who writes this movie and adapted the screenplay, who also wrote and co-directed our second movie of this year, Soul. Oh, Really? Really, really. Um, Weird. Yeah, no. So, so this is his. Yeah, so this is his second movie or or first, depending on the order he did it in. But yeah, he wrote Soul uh, and he wrote this movie and he co-directed Soul. So there, there's an unintentional thing going there, and it's like you said, uh, it's a lot easier to describe this movie knowing it was adapted from a play, and that really gets into Kemp Powers. Uh, work adapting this to the screen um which uh has been done obviously before with uh, several films adapted from uh the stage to the screen um and especially recently uh this kind of falls in a few movies in the last four or five years that have been adapted uh with prominent black actors and black directors that were adapted from the stage uh None that I've watched, admittedly, uh, but I knew they were because they all <laughs> have been nominated for awards in, in this movie. Right, they've all been really well-known plays, like when Denzel Washington yeah. did Fences, everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's a really big, important play, yeah. and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Because I haven't and, well, seen it either. And so after seeing this, I really want to go back and find Fences now and, and watch that um, to kind of see what's going on with these play adaptions and see how they translate. And so that's why I first noticed... Um, going in and for for me i think it the kemp powers writing is really good in adapting this to the screen and and that just comes from now being actually familiar with his work with soul where it's just like that movie i think hopefully both of us would agree it's okay if you don't um is really well written um and creative it whereas this is sort of a uh, clearly a different genre and everything else the adaptation from stage to screen i think was really good (laughs) yeah i think so to start um yeah i didn't know um that it was based on a play until you know the end and then i was looking Mm -hmm. up a few things um i think there's one thing that's done really well here and we'll get into some of how well this is done later but what works for this film 
is even though the majority of it does happen in one place, in one room, it is written well enough. Like, I'm still intrigued and hooked, like, the whole time. I'm not sure where it's going most of the time. There's, (laughs) I work with high school students uh, doing theater stuff, and I think one of the hardest things for students to do is just have a normal-sounding conversation that sounds real. Like, I think that is an over or it's an underrated skill for actors because so many um, of just average people, if like, if I'm on an act, I want to be a big character and I want it to be exciting or interesting. And our four leads in this film are all so engaging the whole time, even though they're literally just sitting in a room or standing on a rooftop together. Aside from a couple of boxing sequences, there's no action in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would imagine if I read the script, it'd be like, so-and-so rises and walks to the corner. Like, that, there's yeah, not yeah. a whole <laughs> lot to do. But they, the writing is solid. It's definitely a movie that I should have taken notes while I was watching because there were several lines yeah. like, oh, I'm going to want to remember that. Yeah. And then I thought, but I'm laying down, so I won't. <laughs> The podcast will just have to suffer for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I was no, going to take notes this time too. Actually, I I have a legal and I really pad should and have because there was some good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was lazy. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a big part when you talk about the writing, and I think that spins straight into the acting in this. I think the acting in this film is fantastic. Yeah, uh, I I mean it really centers on these four individuals, um, and I mean. It's the middle of the 1960s, and these are, (laughs) full horrible pun intended, uh, some of the heavyweights. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, there was no other way. Um, But they are, and I mean, each person, I mean, you you get into biopic land, and I I get very wary in biopic land, generally because of the last four or five years uh mainly because i don't think biopics have been very good um i would agree just just a personal opinion but um (laughs) i i don't think they've been good and i'm trying really hard not to go on a tangent but uh nope i I might take you there later so you can you can perfect all right i i I have some locked and loaded examples but but this one (laughs) i think works so well because of the actor's Um, you know, none of which, except for Leslie Odom Jr., I know, um, which is a shame, and I need to get to know their work, because they are phenomenal, I think. Uh, and again, a film that is driven by dialogue, um, you know, and not so much, uh, Muhammad Ali boxing, (laughs) Right. I think that if you just kind of took a look at like a trailer for this movie, which I assume shows some boxing in there, it might look like, oh, it's going to be based more on that. That part is done with so soon. Like there's two boxing sequences. They don't last very long. They're well shot. They're good. Um, But it's certainly not the driving force. You mentioned that, you know, aside from uh, Leslie Odom Jr. And I'm the same way. Like I saw the name and like, where do I know that guy from? Like it took me a second because I'm not a Hamilton fanboy. Who just remember? It's like I know Lin Manuel Miranda. I've learned David Diggs, but I only remembered him because of Blind Spotting. So now maybe yeah. Leslie Odom Jr. will stick in my head a little yeah. bit better. And that's um, all I know him from too. Right, that's the is, that's is it. Hamilton. So <laughs> the other three, I I don't know the actors, but they all do a really solid job. Um, the guy who plays Malcolm X, aside from, I mean, looking a lot like him. Yeah which they do, you know, very efficiently, but just, he's really good. Yeah. He's incredible. Like I was just so fascinated. The guy who plays Cassius Clay, hilarious from the first moment. He's, he's big. He's charismatic. I'm like, I could watch this guy anytime. He was so fun to watch. And the guy who plays Jim Brown, and I am saying the guy who, because I don't have it pulled up and that's, again, I don't remember their names and I apologize for that. Uh, the guy who plays Jim Brown feels almost like he's got more of the gravitas than them, but I think it's just his character is. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm more stoic than these other people, um, yeah. but it also balances this cast out a lot. That you've got Cassius Clay being more boisterous, more fun, more silly. You've got Sam Cooke as someone who is 
not just like super fun, but like is kind of like, hey, I'm rich. <laughs> I've yeah. been successful. And he's he's running with that. Like they all just embody these yeah. these people, these real life people uh, so well. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> so we don't completely sound like a bunch of a-holes. So it's Aldous Hodge. Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown. Eli Gorey plays Cassius Clay, and Kingsley Ben Adir plays Malcolm X. Uh, I have a reference <laughs> sheet because well done. It, well, it, you know, like you said, like Aldous Hodge's Jim Brown. I mean, I, I feel like he's the clencher in obviously the beginning of the film, right? Oh yeah. Um, oh goodness. And, and, and you know, I don't know how I feel necessarily about that clencher. I, I mean, obviously. From what you're supposed to feel, I, I remember me and my girlfriend were watching it, and I'm like, "Oh, there it is!" <laughs> like you just knew something was coming, and then it happens, and it's very poignant. Uh, but this film strays away from things we, I think, seen a lot of in film before, and, and we've discussed on this podcast, like in a Just Mercy film. Where it's like, okay, and here we go. We are establishing this is the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s by how uh, people are going to talk to each other and degrade each other. And it doesn't spend much more time showing that. Um, Except for that one scene. It's that one scene. I think that's the only white guy in the movie, too, by the way. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. I think that he's the only white guy in the movie till the end. There's white guys at the end, I guess. Well, I mean, it de- <laughs> no, because Cassius's uh, trainers. Oh yeah, got, yeah. Well, never yeah, mind. So there's a few. Never mind. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was gonna say it's that scene, um, which yeah, we'll talk about how effective it is here in just a minute. It's also, I think, Steve, uh, I keep wanting to say Steve Cook, Sam Cook at the Copacabana, right? Because mm-hmm. oh, there's yeah, people yeah. just not listening to him uh, while he's there. It's an all white crowd. Um, they're whispering, "I like this song better when somebody else sang it." Um, yeah. It's not as overt <laughs> as what happens with Jim Brown. Yeah. Because uh, there's no racial slurs involved in that one. But Which is brought up. It's brought up later. <laughs> let's just get into that. Okay. All right. Let's talk yeah. this scene. We're dancing we, we around it. To. We need to. All right. So <laughs> the very opening scene is Cassius Clay. He's boxing. He's against the uh, a British boxer. Um, so it's white white man versus black man. And Cassius Clay is getting cocky. He's doing his thing. He's destroying this guy. But then he does get punched once real good in the face. And he barely makes it back up to finish his fight. And they tell us later, he barely won. So it's like, okay, you've been knocked down. But that one, like, represents an idea more than is, again, like I said, overt. I just explained the Sam Cooke uh, scene with the Copacabana. Jim Brown pulls up to this, like, plantation-style looking house. Yeah. Walks into the covered porch. He is greeted by a woman who calls her grandfather's down, who I assume is an old football coach. That's what I was kind of putting yeah. together. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and he's super excited to see Jim. He's like, hey, this is great. Let's get you some lemonade. He gets his granddaughter to bring him lemonade. They're having a conversation. I'm so proud of you. You just set this great, this rushing record in the NFL. This is amazing. Um, and then at the end of the scene, he has to go back in the house and say, well, I'm moving around a dresser. And Jim's like, oh, well, hey, I'll I'll help you with that. And he stops him and tells him that you can't come in my house because we don't allow black people in the house. Um, Except he uses a racial slur instead of that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It kind of like smacks you in the face a little like, oh, okay. Yeah. Here we are. It's 1963. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I'm gathering that you were thinking like, eh, not a super effective way or felt a little... it's been done before is right. is really all I have to say about it is where there, and this is a much better movie than other movies that do that type of thing is, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say sure. in, in that it's not that scene, but then 10 times throughout right. the movie, you know, um, which I think speaks obviously to the Ryan and just the history and obviously what the four characters end up talking about, you know, um, whereas some other movies where producers, actors, the people making the movie, you know, they don't get it (laughs) is what I would say where Hmm. it's just, 
they try to saturate you in the like well here is some very clear overt yeah actions of racism and they're bad but right. don't worry uh emma emma stone is gonna fix everything uh <laughs> sorry I, I i that opening scene very much feels like the help to me okay yeah it, 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 in that like the help then becomes that for the whole movie and right Right. I don't want to go yeah. on tangent with that movie, but no. Know. Well, it's okay because I've not seen The Help because Good. I am very aware of its reputation as like a film where it's yeah. like eh, it's trying, but really is not. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, this opening scene to me, I think ultimately does work though because, like you said, it happens once and we don't have to yeah. deal with it again. It is a, a concept that, of course, they have conversations around for the whole rest of the movie. Yeah. Is in this case, Jim is recognized as being. Amazing, very good at what he does. Someone that other people are proud of. The guy who says it is like, you know, hey, man, I love being from the place that we can say this is where Jim Brown is from. Yeah. You know, so he's playing it this way. He's not racist in a way. Like he shakes the guy's hand. Like it seems very friendly. And then just this very clear line of, no, 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 you don't get to actually come into my house. Um, It is. A little on the nose, but since so much of the conversations they have in the hotel room later are about like, yeah, you can be successful, but that doesn't mean you're allowed to belong in society. And that's mostly Malcolm's perspective throughout this entire film is, yeah, you can make money. Yeah, you can be successful in your own little arena. But the problem is it's your own little arena. No one's letting you into the larger human arena. Um and you should not be okay with that. Yeah. And Jim seems not okay with it. That would seem wrong. But he seems to be in a position where he thinks, well, there's what makes sense to me and what is good for me. And yeah. I don't know if I'm, since it's a football player, I don't know if I'm willing to call in Kaepernick my situation. Instead, yes. I might just... Uh, be a, a side character in movies because that pays me more and yeah. doesn't hurt my body. Yeah. And of course, Sam Cooke gets, you know, there's a whole big conversation with him and music that I feel like is kind of the, the main center point of the film. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, I think the opening does a very good job establishing all four characters in very quick terms um, instead of. You know, it, it's not revolutionary by any means. It's like, okay, Muhammad Ali, he boxes. Sam Cooke, he sings. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, um, those kinds of things. Uh, Though it was also important because, like, aside from Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X, like, I didn't know oh. who Jim Brown was. I was like, should I know who this is? Because it's not the same kind of big name as the other two. And Sam Cooke, I was like... I. I know it's oh, a singer, but oh, I couldn't think of the songs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. when he sings some of them later, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, then we get into Miami. Yes. I mean, immediately, right? Um, yeah. I mean, where do you want to start? I mean, I mean, the rest of the movie is a conversation, like you said, and there are a lot of threads to go down there are i think we Um, just have to pull on a thread and see what happens perfect let's do it um all right uh well let's just pick up where we left well that's kind of a big one we'll wait um i think that the fact that there's these four guys they're staying in about at least three different places in miami i think kind of sets up again this is an interesting situation you know you don't get a good look at where Cassius Clay is staying, but he's there. His trainers are there. And he's like, well, I have to go see Malcolm. But Malcolm's staying at a completely different hotel. Yeah. Um, a much cheaper, rundown looking place. We see where Sam Cooke is staying at the Fountain Blue, and it's gorgeous and amazing. And they even point out, like, oh, did you just call up and make a reservation? He's like, no. I had this guy that works for me or part of the record company or whatever. He called. It's like, yeah. oh, so you could only get in there because a white guy called instead of you called. But it also sets up pretty early like where the money situations are for all these people because that is a big part of the conversation. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Cassius Clay, all everywhere he's going is being paid for by investors who are investing in his boxing career. Again, we don't see where really Jim Brown is staying. He's not really shown in this section. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very early on, Sam Cook says, like, you know, have you ever made a quarter million dollars just by singing? I have. So yeah. he's always showing up in his fancy cars, he's in his fancy hotel. Um, and then again, Malcolm X, uh, I know it's maybe a little bit of a tie between him and Muhammad Ali for who's most well known, but if you're talking about issues of race, you're going to think Malcolm X first, uh, has the least. Uh, out of everyone, you know, he's the one yeah. who's staying in this kind of dumpy hotel and he's the one who offers, let's come here um, for the after party. And yeah. when Sam Cook first shows up, he's even like, this place is a dump. And yeah. he seems very frustrated that they're hanging out in this hotel room that's not super fancy. That, of course, plays into all the money stuff. Even, you know, Jim at one point calls Malcolm out and says, you're the only one of the four of us who doesn't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so money is a huge part of the conversations that happen in this film. Yeah. Um, I don't um, know. What are you thinking? No, money is. Uh, but it, it's not so much money. It's. It, I mean, it's kind of whatever other area you want to look at. It's what they're doing with their money, right? Um, right. Because, I mean... Malcolm X's big premise for kind of bringing them all together, um, I mean, mostly starts off just to say, hey, um, Cassius Clay is going to convert to Islam, which is very controversial um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and becomes even more controversial as the night goes on, as Malcolm X reveals his... He's his, planning to leave the nation planning, of Islam. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, but his other premise is going to say, you all have something in all of these different fields. And how are you using that power? Um, and for, I mean, especially Sam Cooke, that, that is money. That is wealth. Um in something else. Wealth and fame. I mean, he's also very well well known. Well, yeah, yeah, fame for all of them, but... um, True. You know, it's all in a certain area. You have sports, you have, uh, well, I guess boxing. Sports again. Sports again. (laughs) um, And and then the entertainment music industry. And so, you know, Malcolm is really trying to get everyone to think of how can you best use this in in a way that advances the cause advances civil rights advances what what he sees as the cause of civil rights right. and it never gets really into malcolm x's specific views obviously because that would be very hard and make the movie a bit more controversial um and, and well I, but it hints at a lot of it though because yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. they're constantly talking to him because as he's trying to persuade each of them like to basically you guys should do more Mm-hmm. You should be more vocal. You know, his his criticisms of Sam especially are you produce music, you write songs. And there's this great scene where he pulls out all these records mm-hmm. of Sam and plays them. He's like, wow, getting real deep here, Sam, with I love you, I love you, I love you. How about you actually he plays Bob Dylan for him and says, how come this white guy from Minnesota mm-hmm. is writing a more controversial song that we think actually speaks to our struggle better than anything you've written mm-hmm. right there. So he's, yeah. he's always pushing for that. And the main response is always, yeah, but then we're going to have the target on our back. The phrase target yeah. on our back comes up multiple times because they know Malcolm is controversial. Yeah. And, you know, frequently Malcolm's always looking over his shoulder, checking out the windows. He knows he's being observed. He knows he's being followed. Um, <laughs> by the FBI, by people from the government. So though they don't get into his views specifically, yeah. they do call him out. Like when <laughs> the JFK assassination mm-hmm. and they're like, Malcolm, you said good riddance. He's like, I did not say good riddance. And then they give the exact quote. And it's like, you basically did though. Mm-hmm. You know, you're calling these people devils and it's really pissing them off. And that's not helping anyone. It yeah. just makes them angry, and you want us to get in line with what you're thinking, but 
that could jeopardize everything for us too. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because they, yeah, they do have a level of success and, and economic autonomy, I think is, yes. is the best way to describe it. Cause that is the specific reason, at least that Sam Cook gives it, and I mean, we're going to talk a lot about Sam Cook later. But um, again, we're dancing around it. We're dancing around because I'm waiting. Biggest, I'm really excited to talk about Sam. Some Cook. of the biggest scenes um, in this film are between Sam and Malcolm for yeah. sure. And and the point is, yeah, they do call out Malcolm X as, you know, well, you go around with the target on your back, and, and part of that goes to quote him not having a job per se in the way that in the way that they do because he is a full time activist you know right um and so it's kind of his job to do that whereas you you know jim brown i mean was the biggest running back for decades yeah (laughs) you know um sam cook one of the best-selling artists at that time and um of course muhammad ali you know which we'll get into later you know but they had all kind of found this way of like, we can make it in, uh, just to be blunt, a white man's world. And no one can tell us what to do. And that that said kind of early on by by all three of them, like, right. no, no one's telling me what to do. Un- uh, if I'm winning football games and making touchdowns, no one tells me what to do. If I sell enough records, no one's going to tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> you know, if I knock... All the people out that I can, no one can tell me what to do. And Malcolm says, is that enough? Right. Are you losing sight of what's going on? And it's a very big concern, and it makes a lot of sense. But each of the individuals has a reason why Malcolm also might be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because what he's he's suggesting they do could threaten all of that. Mm -hmm autonomy they're talking about one of the things i really like about this movie though is watching it as someone who as a white guy with a conscience who is trying who's trying his best to understand racial issues and racial dynamics and after coming off of summer of 2020 and really trying to immerse myself in more stories and more understanding this film is actually very difficult to just take like it's not as easy as watching something like just mercy it is which offers up a pretty simplified version of things yeah this film is more challenging because yeah they all find something wrong with malcolm's point of view but when malcolm's pointing stuff out he's also not completely wrong jim brown can do whatever he wants except go into the house of like a former coach or a family friend because even though they're proud that he's a good athlete they're still not letting them into his house yeah sam cook can do what he wants because he's rich but he still has you know super fancy white audiences like eh, i like this other singer better and they don't respect him just because Mm -hmm. he's black Mm -hmm. so they do have a lot of independence, but they still are at a disadvantage. And there's a line um, that Cassius says when he and Sam go out and, and get alcohol and leave the hotel for a little bit, mm-hmm. where he's like, what we're really after is power. And to be to have power means we can actually be who we authentically are yeah, without having to change anything for somebody. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of those, like, I'm going to remember that line. But that's it, right? It's like yeah. they have some form of power, but they still are struggling with, can I really be 100% myself in this society? And the answer is no, because with Cassius looking to convert to Islam and join the nation of Islam, everyone's saying like, you're going to be so much more controversial. And what I like about this film is we've already seen him enough that we know he likes to brag, likes to be arrogant you know, he he meets with Malcolm early on to pray before his match, but he's doing things wrong. He's not quite sure. He's like, is this how I pray? Is this yeah, how I do yeah. it? Um, but he's like, I'm going to do it anyway yeah. because Malcolm's a mentor. Yeah. Um, up until Malcolm tells him that he's actually planning on leaving the Nation of Islam, then Cassius feels like he's being used to kind of like yeah. promote certain ideologies. Yeah. Um, it, but the point where I was going was nobody's 100% right. Malcolm's thoughts have flaws, but so does everybody else's. And I think that what makes that great in this film is helps to show, again, the issues surrounding race are so complex, frustratingly so, 
that we can't just say like if we just did this we're good yeah i no i i I mean i agree with that conclusion 100 percent. it's kind of what i was gonna say actually is sorry stole it from you no it's okay but (laughs) because you drove home the point now i don't have to use that time uh i defer my time i've been watching a lot of internet debates anyway uh no this movie it's not like a just mercy and that's why i really really like it um Mm -hmm. because number one to go into this movie you have to have quite a bit of background knowledge i think to really appreciate this movie i'm not saying i have all the knowledge but i'm like i i had a lot (laughs) a lot more than i thought where you know just things stood out so specifically to me of like oh oh yeah, I know I know that scene. I know that. I know right. that about Sam Cooke and things like that. And so the But com- I agree with you cuz I was struggling for yeah. some of it. Like I said, Jim Brown the name didn't yeah. mean anything to yeah. me. Uh, I knew Malcolm X had a whole falling out with the Nation of Islam, but since his opening yeah. scene is just very kind of shrouded in mystery like yeah. they don't say things. They de- I'll say it this way. They don't treat the audience like they're dumb. They're like, no. are you ready for this story? You no. better know your stuff because here we go. Exactly. And and that's what I think is one of the strongest, best things about the writing of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and probably the play. I really want to see the play now is it, it is. The audience is not dumb and it demands something from the audience. Where, where like a Just Mercy, it's demanding. It's a demanding movie. None of those movies are undemanding in what they're right. saying and asking you, especially as a white audience member, to consider. But there's just mercy, and then there's um, and then there's get out, and then there's uh, <laughs> and then there's sorry to bother you. And on that same timeline of movies, or what could be on the same timeline of movies yeah. for people is the help or uh not blind spotting, uh, the blind side, the blind side, yeah. you know, and there's that one where, you know, just to be very clear, I think those movies speak down to an audience and don't treat the audience very intelligently after seeing this movie, because this right. movie, you know, I, I've been looking up stuff all afternoon, <laughs> like quite like I, I threw in Sam cook and we went for a drive after I watched this movie. Nice. Cause I, cause I'm just like, <laughs> Babe, I know who Sam Cooke is. Like, I wrote a report on him in college on one of his albums. Like, you have to listen to Live at the Copa to understand when they say at the Copa, that's one version of Live at the Copa. And then there's his album, Live at the Copa, which is one of the, considered one of the best live albums ever made. Right. You know, know, and... (laughs) And so I'm like, there is so much here. He made an album with Muhammad Ali. But anyway, <laughs> like <laughs> like he produced an album of them singing, you know. And so I love it, it. it. It demands you go look at so much of that instead of I, I can imagine some audience members being like, I've heard Malcolm X. He's he was really bad or, or whatever. You, you know, there are people with that view. And it's like you said, it is complicated. It is mm-hmm. very com- even when you get into the history of someone like uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It is complicated. Also complicated, which is very why I really liked the movie Selma. When I watched that, is Selma is a really good film. That's like yes, it takes historical events, but it shows yeah. King in that film as someone who is more complex. Like yeah. it touches on the idea like is he having affairs? Yeah. Yeah. Is he getting run down and is tired of kind of doing this fight? Yeah. yeah. And it does the same thing with Malcolm X here where they're like, he's been having a hard time. Yeah. He's struggling. He's really pushing for stuff. And even some of his closest friends are like, yeah, I don't know about this dude. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this one, I mean, it takes, again, four of some of the biggest people of that era. And, you know, they're in a room together and. You know, it's not a, a hate fest on anyone, but it it wallows in complexity. The whole yeah. film, the whole film, for um, sure, and it's great. <laughs> so, well, you said uh, earlier you wanted to get into some more Sam Cooke stuff. So, yeah, yeah. where do you want to go with that? Um, well, it, 
it's kind of like you. I, I I think Sam Cook and his him and Malcolm X's conversations throughout this movie are a real centerpiece of what's going on. Like because they might be the most opposite. Right. I, thinking off the top of my head, we, you know, he he's definitely maybe the most successful out of all four of them monetarily, economically. Um, and he has this very interesting viewpoint of, you know, it, it starts off in the beginning of him playing to a white audience and then being bored. Um, but Malcolm X, as he's going through the records, oh, that's deep stuff man that you're really singing about he does another thing and again this is the demands of this movie of you going and finding out the history of it right of sam cook would play if i remember correctly and i i can be completely wrong on this he would play his music very differently for white and black audiences they would they make, make a small reference to that a very yeah. a very small reference to that but it gets into a lot of what Malcolm X is saying about Sam Cooke of just like, you are living this double life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he, I feel for Malcolm X eventually when, you know, he's near tears. He's just like, I just admire you so much when it does that flashback to him doing working on a chain gang. And he's just like, everyone leaves and you stood there. Right. And you made it happen. I mean, <clears throat> and, you know, it, it's a difficult thing. He brings up blowing in the wind, which is a very, again, historical thing. Because mm-hmm. not only, obviously, is the song historical, Bob Dylan, Pulitzer Prize <laughs> winner, all that. But Sam Cooke's relationship to that song, he covers that song live Hmm. in some of his albums because he loved it so much and it's like he says in the movie he actually said that as well of this is so good and and i'm ashamed embarrassed choose the correct word if you will that i didn't write it yeah and i should because this speaks to us and it's the white boy from minnesota (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Who who does that? And Malcolm has such a a powerful point with that, um, that in this movie, again, why well, like because it is all based on conversation and, and to a lesser degree, nonverbal <laughs> conversation, obviously, is it's not just arguing between them like, no, you're you're wrong. No, you're wrong there is a very real change happening through the movie for both of them. Because Mm -hmm. like when Sam cook in the movie says, yeah, so what if I produced this song and he lays out the economics of it? Yes. You know, the Rolling Stones picked up this song and guess what? They're going to get paid more because now it's number one. And those royalty Mm -hmm. checks are big. So, you know, and that's what he did I think right before the timeline of this movie was just when he started his own record label. And that's what he was doing. He was producing yeah. all these artists that could not be heard mm-hmm. you know, before then. And so, you know, Malcolm's right in that. Well, what are you doing with your voice? Cause you can sing better than anyone. But Sam cook also has the point of like, I am getting everyone's voice out. Um, right. You know, and, and there's obviously the case to be made. Like, yeah, there's 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 a pride to Sam Cooke. There's a, uh, <laughs> a a fame happening for him, which makes perfect sense. Um, and it just shows that complexity real well. And of course, the the end of the movie. Oh, oh, I'm tearing up thinking about it because that's one of my favorite songs. Right of all, of all time, and I think it is a perfect song. Uh, me and one of my friends, me and one yeah. of my friends have a ongoing conversation. Like, what are the perfect songs, start to finish? Just one song that's a perfect hmm. song, and that one is on our list. Nice. Of just like it is, it's a perfect song, and you know, again, the the history of that song, it's slightly fictionalized 
in the movie. I think before the date they gave in 1964 was February 25th, 1964. He actually played it before then on TV. And that was the only time he ever played it. And Hmm. he, he didn't release it as a single until after he was dead. Interesting. So I didn't realize that. Cool. <laughs> there's so much, like, yeah. <laughs> in this no, movie. I love it. It's and very so cool. It's <laughs> so so it, again. That's that's just to speak to the demands this movie makes. Because I I don't think someone like maybe our parents, <laughs> right? <laughs> like as much as I want to be like, you should get on Amazon and watch this movie. It it would go over. So no, it would not so work many well. people's heads because right. y- you have to invest just a little bit of time to even though it's slightly fictionalized, it is and this will get into maybe a little bit in our closing, it's not fictionalized in the way that biopics recently have been fictionalized, where it's just <sighs> we're gonna redo a lot of timelines for really, really cheap right. moments. The, the, this one is simply this whole conversation, yeah. this whole meeting, is like, did this happen? I to believe it did. I believe it really? did. I think so. My understanding I, I is found that a it video didn't. with Jim Brown where they took him back to the hotel. It was like on ESPN today, and he's okay. like, "Here it was." So, but I think maybe more the chronological order might be, or maybe okay. what they actually talked about might be. Right. But I think they might have actually met because they all did at least at some point meet each other. I mean, um, I, yeah. So I gather that they all knew each other. My, my yeah. assumption based on this was like this gathering, this conversation, like this is a, a big, Hey, what if these four people had a big conversation, yeah. all four of them together at this time, what well, would it be? That was my understanding mm-hmm. of it, but I could be wrong. Yeah. I think it was mine too. I'll send it back to you since you're eating during our podcast. I'm, al- I'm always eating during the podcast. I you know, know that. I have to edit out all your crunches. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, and so I think parts of the conversation are fictionalized, obviously. Right. They don't have a transcript. But even that works for me mm-hmm. um, as a biopic because the way it's done, it's just it's not cheap. You know, right. you know, it is this kind of existential conversation, <laughs> meeting Godot kind of thing between these four huge minds of the civil rights era. And I mean, because it doesn't, the only thing it ever says, because Malcolm X, it really is the character driving a lot of this forward. And it mm-hmm. it ends with the quote by him. And that he died two days later. Right? Um, and that was about a year later. Sam right. Co- Sam Cooke died at the end of 1964. He was shot. Um, Muhammad Ali and Jim Brown are the only one who survived into old age. Hmm. And, and I mean, we lost Ali a few years ago. Jim Brown's still alive. You know, but like at least two of these figures what they are talking about and the issues they're tackling added to their complexity is the fact that it was important and they died for it. You know, um, you know, um, I mean, even, even King four years later would be shot and murdered for, for this. And, you know, again, just to harp a little bit on, um, change gonna come, you know, again, that just being the last song, like they released it as a single two weeks after he was shot. And mm. that's the last of it, you know. And so there's all this working and with a manipulated chronological order, if you look at the history of it, but it it's not cheap. That's kind of right. all I'm going to say is it's just not cheap. Whereas some other movies, they manipulate it and it's just like uh, you had no imagination Right, you know? yeah. You can take a Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yes. That's the <laughs> That's, one I was thinking of the whole time. I feel time. like that was the elephant in the room. Where it's like, yeah, some of the arrangements, they, artistically, it's like, okay, I see how you could do that for emotional push or something like that. But also, it doesn't add anything if you know the real story. And I remember I heard critics talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. It's like, yeah, when they played that show, 
that was at such a completely different time. So I feel really frustrated and betrayed by when you know the history and it ruins it. And what you're saying, which is very cool, is when you know the history, it's actually even better. Yeah. That's what I'm gathering. It is. From you. It is. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. And and I will say it's probably one of the few movies I feel this way about. I I don't think we've really done a biopics. No. Or especially like this, you know, and, you know, it's something I did think I would have because there is tinkering, you know. Oh, yeah. But, but it all serves something that's really cool, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I'll throw one more thing in, and then if we're good, we can go to ratings. Um, I touched on this earlier, but I wanted to come back to it just a second because you were talking about how challenging this could be for an audience. And I think one of the reasons it's all it's very challenging is not only is it not cheap, um, it doesn't give us answers. Yeah. Right. All of when we talked about before, like there are all these characters have something. There's a flaw, it seems, in their thinking. And we're used to most of the time by movie audiences to be like, so one of these people is going to come out ahead like that. Now we know they're the winner. Well, it, it's more complex than that. Right. Sam sings a song that means something at the end. So we're like, oh, so yeah. he he changed. So we know Malcolm kind of got his way. But Malcolm has to leave his house in the middle of the night because someone threw a Molotov cocktail in the middle of it. So yeah. Malcolm's life is getting worse and worse. We see Jim uh, leave the NFL and become an actor, which I'm going to just go ahead and guess is probably not an amazing acting career. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And then Muhammad Ali changes his name, joins the Nation of Islam, looks over, notices Malcolm's not there. And we're just leaving these characters where they where they are. And like no one is deemed being right or wrong. Yeah. It's just more of this ongoing conversation of what is the best way to do this kind of stuff? Because ideologically, I'd be like, Malcolm's right. This is ridiculous. You should not have to change how you perform or change who you talk, you know, all these things, because that's that's the way of a racist society. But also the other three are completely right, which is uh, this is how I take care of myself because we have to live in a racist society. And. And they're all right also, which is the more we act like Malcolm, the more dangerous things might get for us. Yeah. And we see that, you know, played with as well. And I made the Ka- the Kaepernick comment earlier, but that's exactly what it was. No. Someone with a is. platform who says, I'm going to stand up for something. I'm going to speak to something that's that is not well, right in our society. And <laughs> there goes his career. And 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 I'll actually piggyback off of that because I, I forgot about that comparison. Um, it It is, in my view, and someone can tell me I'm wrong later, it is a perfect comparison because, again, if you know the story of Muhammad Ali, that is actually what happened to him. He said, I'm not going to Vietnam. And, yeah. and they kicked him out. They ripped his title away from him and he didn't box for years, you know, because he took that stand because he took a political stance. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's just a very demanding movie, um, which is cool. I think, I think with this time, hopefully, I think we see it with some of the people we know and, and around the country, you know, diving into these films. Yeah. This one, I would be like, Oh, this is on your list. It's it it's like a sophomore junior level film <laughs> for you. Like you don't start with it, uh, but, right? But you, it would be very worth your while, <laughs> for sure. So for sure. All right, let's hop to some ratings. And Slade, you get to start us out. Oh boy. Okay. Um. Well, like I said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Um, like I said, I, I think this film is very good. Um, Regina King does a great job, obviously. Kemp Powers, for me, I, I think just really stands out. Again, knowing his work on Soul, knowing his work here as adapting a, something from the stage, and also still being able to see those elements from the stage, you know, since it does happen all in the same true, uh, same room, you know, it, it, really reminds me of some of the best 
we're only going to be in this room movie of like 12 angry men and, mm-hmm. and has the same power as 12 angry men. Um, maybe even more so because it is not so cut and dry <laughs> near the end. Um, you know, so it has that going for it. I mean, the dialogue's brilliant. The four leads are brilliant. I know at least a few of them are up for awards. Um, yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. is up for a Golden Globe yeah. for Best Supporting Actor. Regina yeah. King's up for a Golden Globe yeah. for Best Director. So Yeah, yeah, no. So, And it's very well-deserved. The performances all around are amazing. Again, watching some older footage... I mean, uh, Eli Gorley as Cassius Clay, he's spot on. It's it's ridiculous how spot on he is. Um, and, I mean, obviously for me, Leslie Odom Jr. stole the show mm-hmm. <laughs> for me a lot. Um, so, with, with all that, I, I mean, it. I'm going four and a half stars. Nice. It's not yeah. quite perfect, but... I, I think it is a very important, complex, demanding film and very, very fresh feeling to me. Very so. good. Very good. Oh, I've been struggling on my rating on this one all afternoon. Um, <laughs> this conversation helps for sure. And oh, that's, okay. of course, the whole point of the con- of the podcast is. A film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. And I think so, there's a lot of good discussion to oh come yeah, out of this. you do say that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like the only thing I've really got to add to it at this point is um, once we're done recording, I might just go watch the video for This Is America um, by Childish Gambino. Because that also is very much in line with this film. Mm-hmm. Um, a video and a song that, to my interpretation and knowledge, is very much about like, oh, you're an entertainer. You're an athlete. Okay, get your money, black man. Just, you know, the more there's a lot of problems out there, right? Yeah. But in this country has not done anything for you. So just, just take your money and move on. Okay. Yeah. And even though your life is also in danger in this society... Um, and that felt like so much of the heart of this conversation um, in this film. Like I said, how do you tell the the most wealthy and powerful people that, yeah, this isn't enough. You need to keep doing more. And that's the conversation that, that this film focuses on. Really good. I struggled on the rating just because it, when it first ended, I'm like, oh, four stars. No problem. Um, and then I was thinking about it throughout the afternoon. I'm like, am I going to forget this movie, though? like tomorrow because it's so like we're in one room the whole time and there's not a whole lot of it's like when we spend time like you and I are doing to really talk about it I think it inspires so many good conversations but as a film is it gonna have lasting power in my mind and that started getting my head smoke well maybe I should take it down to three and a half I don't know but then we've mentioned other movies like uh Just Mercy which I think I also put around three and a half I'm like but this is clearly a step above just mercy in my own book so anyway that's a whole weird complicated way to come around and say like i'm gonna stick it at four stars um but i struggled with it i think it's good for conversation you're right it's not for everybody i want everyone to see it yeah but it's there's a learning curve i think for this film that is difficult yeah works maybe against it i don't think it needed i don't think it certain can't speak well it certainly doesn't need to change for an audience who's not ready for it i don't want that um, but that is going to be a barrier to entry for some people. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> but I'll stick it at four stars, which is four four star movies in a row for me. I'm starting to feel like I'm falling yeah. into a pattern, and me that too. concerns me. I was going to put it at four too, but as the day wore on, yeah, I think we both watched it today too. Of yep, <laughs> it, it just it it just stuck with me the the whole time. Um, yeah, mm. good deal. So. All right, Slade. What are we watching next time? Who? Um, I felt it was finally time for a change. Uh, not crying during a movie. <laughs> Maybe you didn't cry it with today's movie. I, I did. Yeah, I, I did. didn't. But oh, I know okay. we had a good run there of Paddleton, Soul, and Grave of the Fireflies. Well, well, so. y- yes, yes. And then I tacked on this 
this movie for me. I, at the end, I, I was tearing up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and so I hope I don't cry. I don't think we qui- will cry. Uh, 2014, streaming on Netflix, we are going to watch Chef with John Favreau. Oh, you know, this has been on my list for years and I've never seen it, so I'm, I'm so excited. happy you haven't seen it. I feel I'm like excited. it's right in line with a movie I would choose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as it has been noted <laughs> it to <is>. me. Um, <laughs> like, already, the one thing I know about it is like, oh, this is going to be a Slade movie. Uh, a fun little indie passion project by the director who's like, yeah, it's yeah. about food. I know and it's about food. And I love food documentaries. Yep. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'm all in. Okay. Uh, Sounds great. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here and and listening to us. Uh, We really appreciate it. Um, The fact that anyone listens, I'm always just delighted by uh, because there's a million and a half podcasts and at least a million of those million and a half are probably two guys talking about movies. So thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with us. We really appreciate it. So... uh, Have a good couple of weeks. We'll be back soon talking about Chef. And until then, farewell, good people. Don't stop the talk after you walk out of the theater.